ethos of this show is. What is the core takeaway in so many of the sports conversations that we have on this show? I mean, we like to talk about soup. It's actually been a while since we talked about soup. But outside of soup, outside of Ninja Turtles, I would say that the core root belief of this show is that as staunch as you are in your beliefs, as much evidence as you have to back it up, that smart people, which I think on occasion we, we claim to be, can amend your opinion, that you can change, that you can evolve, that new information makes your opinions dynamic, wouldn't you say? I thought it was mostly just me rambling on and forgetting I mean, where I started and then yeah, trying to get back to where I started, but then kind of half-heartedly doing that and then taking too long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's part of it for sure. But, like, if you were if you were going to sell someone on this show and what our core beliefs is, are, you, you wouldn't start with that part, I don't think. Like, they would listen and they'd be like, oh, wait, no, no. it is that part. But you'd be but like, hey, started... listen a little bit longer to get, and you'll get to the first part. But I would have started doing what you just said, and then I would have started rambling in the middle and gone too long, lost my spot. And then they would have said, this seems like this is what it's more about. <laughs> and you know what? There'd be some truth to that, too. Mm -hmm. But I would like to think that people listening cool. to this show that are longtime good people mm -hmm. would come to the understanding that that's how, how we view our sports takes. That, hey, we can be wrong. Some of us more than others. But it's okay to be wrong because new information changes that. We didn't get this is our first show since uh, Brendan Shanahan, Kyle Dubas, Sheldon Keefe spoke uh, late yesterday afternoon. I don't know if they if they if they subscribe to our ethos. Really does feel like they're pretty staunch in their beliefs. Well, it doesn't matter because Kyle Dubas has the maybe. Like, yeah, maybe. Thinking things different? Maybe. Does he not like this team? Maybe. Maybe. Is he looking for a change? Maybe. Is that farmer Oh, yes. Chinese farmer, he, right? Yeah, that's a, the pro farmer proverb that he tweeted about when the Leafs were struggling last season. On yesterday's show, I asked you what you wanted to hear. You asked me what I wanted to hear. And I went into that knowing that very little... There was very little to suggest that you were going to hear anything that you wanted to and that those guys were in an impossible position where fans are furious, fans are broken. They are at, by my estimation, the lowest I can remember as Leaf fans. I, again, I know the Boston 2013 loss was low, but immediately people saw a path of rebuild. People saw a path to blow it up. They were angry. They were broken. But this is similar. This is the only thing that I can really compare it to. So those guys having to step not to a podium but to a Zoom to a, a computer. their computer screens yeah. and face the throngs of media Through that computer. people think are so hard in this city <laughs> that some people believe are just these villainous figures who – We'll stop at nothing but to chase good people from the town. <laughs> uh, they had a difficult job to do yesterday, and it was not going to be easy to convey a message that was going to be satisfactory in any way, and it was more likely than not that the words that they used, that they practiced with their PR teams, were going to be levied against them 
shortly after. So I went into it with a super open mind. <laughs> and I went into it trying to be as calm as I could possibly be. And I know that's a different thing for me than it is for other people, but nonetheless. The one thing I asked for and I hoped for was that there would be a little humility with the group. That it wouldn't be the defensive tone of a year ago in which everybody was stupid but them and that if you start to not believe in them then it's your lack of faith not their failure performance yeah right and it was more of the same it started off with Shanahan trying to spill this thing about killer instinct and you could tell that killer instinct was his the year before it was toughness right mm-hmm. It was toughness. That's what the Leafs needed. They needed toughness. Now they needed killer instinct. And boy, that's a harder one to define. Like, what exactly is that? Where do you acquire that? Now we're going to go into next season and Edison Bunkus are going to be doing show after show where if the Leafs have a lead in the regular season against a good team, we're going to be giving them points based on killer instinct. No, man, this, this is what is going to happen. That's no, what we did with the yet, toughness. There's a maturity. killer instinct that is yeah. missing that we need to address. Right. Killer, so man. it was really killer instinct that they're missing. Um, but that that killer instinct, you know, is either from coming outside the organization or within. Mm-hmm. But it certainly doesn't seem as though it's going to be at the cost of any of the core four because those guys are not going anywhere. And again, there was defensiveness of it would be foolish. It would be foolish to move off of those players if you look at those games and you do those things and. You say that these playoff games, which were through one side of our mouth saying are what we're judged on and most important, but then through the other side of our mouth, we're diminishing by saying that it's not enough of a sample. It's kind of hard to track these guys sometimes. I know that they think that they're laying it out like it's a genius plan, but a lot of it is just confidence and hubris, and it didn't really connect. To me, the sound strategy would have been the Masai Ujiri strategy. What would Masai do? You know, that's what I would have said to myself. What would Masai do? And I think that if it was Masai Ujiri, he would have said everything is on the table. He said, we don't want to give up our star players. We think that those, we believe in those star players. You could have said everything that you said without the kicking guys in the teeth, without the running guys over with a bus, whatever analogy you want to use. But to at least acknowledge that your plan has not been at all successful. Like, again, they've been here for seven years, Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan. And Dubas hasn't been GM for seven years, but he's been with this operation for seven seasons. And to me, what it felt like yesterday and what I couldn't get rid of was Brendan Shanahan came here to, quote-unquote, get rid of blue and white disease, right? That sense of entitlement that you get in this city when you are a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs because you are so famous, you are so well compensated, you are in the middle of the eye of the hockey world. And yesterday, I left that media conference feeling like blue and white disease has never been stronger, top to bottom. That accountability is something that those guys talk about all the time, but when it comes to the hockey operations, it's not really there. And yes, there is a level of us versus everyone else that you're supposed to have versus other teams and other organizations and yet right now it seems that you have it against your city 
which feels bad. Which feels bad. It, it felt really bad. Mm-hmm. So sorry for that monologue. No, it's fine. I, I wanted to hear it. Um, <laughs> I remember when William Nylander signed his contract uh, when he almost missed an entire season, and it was uh, mm-hmm. what was it December first deadline. He finally signed it, and the, the report was that. Kyle Dubas told him in that moment, we don't need a no-trade clause. You're in a no-movement clause. You won't be moved. Like, I won't move you. And we saw, yeah, okay, that's, you say that stuff. You, you just, you say it. Mm-hmm. If it's not on paper, what is the reality of the situation? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's real, man. I, I mean, why would any of these guys feel... I mean, we went into that Game 7 talking about legacies for Marner and Matthews and, you know, this potentially being the last game of the core four, they have to know what was said yesterday was the reality going into those games. That those two in Shanahan and Dubas are going down with the ship of those four. Those two will be out of this organization before any member of the four is broken up. That's clear now that even accepting the possibility of moving off from one is admitting defeat. And it must be known within that organization. Mitch Marner must know that I, I, I'm not going anywhere. You're not shipping me out of town. You're too invested in what I am and what I represent that you can't, even after 18 straight games without a playoff goal and five straight first-round exits, I'm not going anywhere ever. Mm-hmm. So... Again, the impetus behind getting Lou Lamorello and getting Mike Babcock was that you had members in your organization that were above, that were delivering top-down messages that were not to be pushed back on. It was, hey, you got to do something or else these guys have the power to get you out of town. These guys have the power to reorganize things. These guys have the power and the conviction to make a drastic change. I think that the Leafs were still right to go to Kyle Dubas. Maybe not with the timeline, but he forced their hand because other organizations wanted him. It's just a tough spot, right? I think the Leafs were in the right to move off of Mike Babcock. I I, I like Kyle Dubas. I I think that he had a really good season. I think that he's got to be more gutted than anybody because his vision started to step into place and all these different things. But again... You have to be able to acknowledge that, okay, man, you guys are talking about the salary cap and how it changed things, but then you got to be able to adjust to that too. I'm not as convinced as you that what they said yesterday was like definitive, that nobody's going anywhere. I, I have to believe that it's unlikely that they're not just going to make a trade for the sake of a trade. But I did also think of, you know, Yesterday, there was a lot of people, like, there was a lot of things happening all at once. There was the pushback from the Marner camp about the narratives and whatever, right? There's the Darren Ferris um, statement about how the media is unchecked or whatever. And I thought, imagine LeBron James doing this. Like, imagine a player in the NBA having their agent, like, making statements about how the media is not fair. Like... Is is the treatment of Mitch Marner like really that different than stars and big markets who come here's up what short? I, like here's what on. I never want to hear again. I don't want to hear the the phrase social media. Like it oh, is oh, irrelevant. Yeah, it is irrelevant. Like what are we talking about? Because yeah. some Twitter eggs yelled at Mitch yeah. Marner. It, it has nothing to do with the conversation. Okay, so 
is the is the conversation that different from places that care? And and that's what really got me yesterday is it's such a privilege to be a Toronto Maple Leaf. And I know those guys say it sometimes, but the idea that you get to play somewhere where people care about their team and are really upset when they lose is amazing. If you win as a Toronto Maple Leaf, this has been said a billion times, so everyone's like rolling their eyes at this point, but there's nowhere you can win in hockey that matters more than here. There's nowhere. There's nothing even close. Montreal would be amazing. The New York Rangers would be amazing. There's nothing like it here. There's nothing even close. The idea that you get to play here, the idea that you get to coach here, the idea that you get to be a general manager or president here is unbelievable. And these guys have earned it. These guys have had incredible careers that have gotten them here and they've worked incredibly hard and all of those things. But at some point, like, you know, that privilege comes with criticism. That privilege comes with forcing you to reevaluate things. That privilege comes with pressure. And trying to have it every single way, which is the way that it feels with this group sometimes, is mind-numbing. I, I do think that Kyle Dubas and Brennan Shanahan should be given more time. I think that they should be given another year. And if it's another year of this, then I don't know how you justify bringing them back. Because again, that would be eight years for Shanahan and how much is enough? You'd only have two more years of Austin Matthews left under contract and you got to do everything that you can to win around the guy. And at how many points, how many kicks of the can with the same group, the same core, the same strategy before you decide to say, well, you know, maybe it's time to readjust. Again, they mentioned the salary cap and how they thought they were going to have more room. Brendan Shanahan said something like, it's 4 to 6% that we thought it was supposed to be a raise last year. It's like, okay, what, what was 4 to 6% going to do to this team? You know, like, who was that? First of all, you were paying teams like for Nick Felino and what, he, you don't have to give up maybe a first to get him because they don't have to eat as much cap space? Like, what, what exactly were you going to do with that? What, what exactly is the huge move that we're missing out on here because of the little allotment of cap space that you would have had? Maybe to Brandon Pertim, it's a lot, a lot, a lot. But here's the reality of the situation. you got to stop looking at what could have been and ifs, ends, or maybes and just deal with the reality of the situation, which is that it's a flat cap, which is that by my account, when I looked at cap friendly yesterday, if you bring back Jason Spezza at his 700 grand vet minimum deal, you've got about just a little under $12 million and you've got to fill around 10 spots. Okay? I... I'm not exactly sure how you make it look a lot different than what happened this year. And if they really think that this year was just, you know, bad puck luck and some John Tavares injury and they can learn the killer instinct, then fine. Go down with the ship. Do the us versus uh, you mentality that they had at the media conference, that the players had, and that maybe works for them. Maybe that's the killer instinct they need is turning everybody else into an enemy and it's not about what the outside of the room thinks. It's what we know we have here. But the idea that you cannot question or that you don't look at this and say everything is on the table, if that's not truly the case, if that yesterday was just some posturing, but if there is a reality in which the Leafs will not even look at the potential of moving a Marner or moving off of one of the players that eats the most money on their salary cap after, again, what is now year seven of nothing with Brendan Shanahan. I would say that again, that is an indication of deep, deep, deep-seated blue and white disease. That is the thing you came here to conquer, settling in and defeating you.
I think if we take history and we take recent history even, mm -hmm. 10 months ago, we talked about the possibility of this being the time to move one of those core four pieces. And they said explicitly in this same media availability, they weren't doing it. And we had the same conversations about, well, is it you say one thing and you do another. And not once was there even a rumor about anyone making an offer or any discussion about William Nylander or Mitch Marner or anybody being on, on the trade block. So that's why... Mm -hmm. As much as I want to believe that you do a front-facing thing and, and you maybe even raise the perceived value of your assets in a media availability like yesterday, I, I, I think it's legit. I don't believe in that stuff. I don't believe in the stuff that, like, if you just would have said everything's on the table and we're going to reevaluate everything and no stone will go unturned in terms of our options this offseason, mm -hmm. that another general manager would look at that and I go, agree. he basically said Mitch Marner's right. for free. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And free now... What are, what are you talking like that stuff yeah. is so but logical. that's why it's but that's why it's real that's why yeah. they're not moving off them they're yeah. they're going down with the ship man and in a way I do feel I felt for Dubas in the moment where it was laid out all the things that he had to do and all the things he did do to address the sins of the past and this was not nearly as flawed again I think Dubas did a great job I don't know what to say. Dubas went out and they said, we need defensemen and we need it to be balanced this year once yep. and for all. He went and did it. He made a trade with the Los Angeles Kings that netted them Jake Muzzin and a goaltender that's probably going to be their 1A next year for a handful of maybes and what could just. And he grabbed veteran players that I really do believe were as good of players you could get for a million dollars or less. You know, he went into the bargain bin and he got the best bargain bins, right? I think yeah. that maybe there's some quibbling, like when people are like, well, they could have gotten Corey Perry instead of yeah, Jill Thor. I'm like, whatever, you know, like, <laughs> sure. Did they maybe make a minor mistake there? But do you really feel as though the series flips or like that was the cog? You, you have Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, $22 million between the two of them, one goal. And you're really going to talk about whether they should have gotten Corey Perry or Joe Thornton? Give me a break. Those stars have gotten to a point where, yeah, you're right. It's just either you're going down with the ship or you're making a big adjustment and taking a huge swing and acknowledging that something needs to change and that maybe, maybe, just maybe, that killer instinct you're looking for is hampered when guys are all in the room and they're looking at the same guys for answers that have been coming up short now in eight elimination games or seven elimination games. Like, you know, there are just, there are just things here that, to me, have to be considered and I think will be considered. I just don't understand the lack of connection to the fan base right now because, again, this is a time where my Instagram DMs are absolutely full of people who are saying that they have had enough. Twitter is full of people who are saying they've had enough. Personal text exchange and phone calls with friends and family members are saying that it's never going to be the same. And if you're MLSE, I, I know you know that you're going to fill the building still and that you're going to make a healthy profit and you're going to do things well, but I actually can't wait to talk to Elliot today to get his impressions on potential long-term damage to a brand. And, and what the next couple of years could be like. Listen, it's the pandemic has affected a lot of people. The Blue Jays are red hot, and they offer a far more uh, financially friendly 
ticket if you want to see them. <laughs> it's a lot easier to go see the Toronto Blue Jays if they ever get back here and you've got an entertainment dollar. I know that, you know, if you have your two boys right now, are you going to grab them an Austin Matthews or a Mitch Marner jersey at this point in time? I would oh, say probably not. Matthews one, but yeah. I would say that those 550 jerseys that those nurses got for the yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs would be the only ones that get given that that are newly acquired for a little a little while here you know like i i think that's probably the situation over say a vlad jr jersey like i i have a tough time seeing that over what if the raptors hit the first overall pick this is just a damaging spot for them man and i know everybody thinks that that it's the media's fault or people are spinning narratives or whatever the hell but it sucks this sucks bad and having the team versus the fans in this way and it just it's uncomfortable and i really think that if you bring everyone back and if you just run it back as is you're not just risking the hockey team losing another season or the jobs of executives and players that turn over year over year you you run the risk of sticking it in the face of every single fan of this hockey team to try and watch 82 games of a team that I frankly do not believe is good enough to win a Stanley Cup. I didn't watch. I watched a bunch of the Vegas Colorado game last night, mm-hmm. slipping between that and Luca versus Kawhi. I did not get the sense that Toronto's on that level, and I certainly don't think that Toronto is a revamped off season away from getting to that level. I didn't watch the Minnesota Wild and think Toronto was on that level. I haven't watched the Boston Bruins and thought, man, the Leafs would beat them or. The Tampa Bay Lightning. You know what I thought? I actually thought, I wonder who's better between the Florida Panthers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. If you look at their goal differential, Florida's was better this season. They had more goals. And they didn't play in the North. So, going to step into an Atlantic with this same team and put everybody through watching the exact same group? Okay. Like, well, here's let's, what's let's gonna see become... if that does something to the, to the future. Well, here's what's going to become more evident is that you won't have this regular season, right, where I got fooled because I saw the things that Kyle Dubas talked about seeing, where they were resilient during the regular season. They had their slumps and they bounced back and they showed that they can hold on to leads. When you're back into the maelstrom of the Atlantic Division, it's going to be tougher to do that. But I'm with you, man. I watched that game as well. Like I don't know. Just the power plays of these teams, Yeah. even when they're not scoring, there's something so abundantly clear that's missing with this team, and it's not. I didn't want to hear yesterday that we're obviously we're we're deviating from what we thought we would have to do, and we're blowing it up, and we're completely changing course. But being again, listening to our show just a little bit more, mm. and understanding Good advice. Subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> understanding that even though you come into something believing one thing, and not wanting to shift easily. But in the face of mounting evidence, having the ability and the good nature to do so would have been neato. Doesn't seem that they're going to want to do that, that they are certainly going down with the ship. But we'll, uh, we'll talk to our next guest, our pal Elliot Friedman, get his perception on it. Uh, he joins us next. It is Good Show. Ben Ennis, J.D. Bunkus, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Let's talk to the busiest man in sports media. Doing hockey every single night on Hockey Night in Canada. Sportsnet. He's throwing out little mini blogs on sportsnet.ca. And he's 
spending a little time on the with panel us. Well, golden nights last night I was going to overtime i was like he's definitely gonna bail on this show there is no way if this goes any deeper no he didn't he, is. he didn't bail all-around good guy elliot friedman on the line what's going on elliot I thought about it. I just want yeah. you guys to know that. Like, I thought about it. Oh, I had to believe it. I can't remember what the word you used was during that intermission heading into overtime. Uh, un- order over oh, something. Oh, underknown. Underknown. Yeah, underknown. And I was like, oh, yeah, we're done. <laughs> I was like, that was so bad. I had people, my buddies were texting me, underknown. Yeah. Buy a dictionary. Oh, man, it was bad. No, man, I thought that was a clear sign of being overworked. Like, if you ever put together a lawsuit against the company for being worked too hard and against us yeah. for booking you, it's like, there's, there's like, exhibit A. <laughs> this guy's overworked. We, we, I always say, I always say, J.D., I know the rules going in. Like, mm-hmm. the, the, during at playoff time, I know the rules going in. Okay, so did you have time to watch mm-hmm. the media availabilities yesterday? And if so, what yeah. stood out the most to you? Um, you know, I, I think that what's the, the most to me, there's a couple of things. Number one, uh, I thought it was interesting that Shanahan started his by basically apologizing to the fans. I, I thought that was very interesting. Uh, number two, I, I thought the, you know, they did what I thought they would do. They, they backed their best players. They said, look, we know we, we, you know, we know we we didn't do what we wanted to do this year, and it absolutely stinks, and everyone's hurting, the fans are hurting, the players are hurting, but we believe in our core four. And I thought they were going to do that. That's exactly what they did. What The third thing I think, J.D. and Ben, that interested me is kind of what they didn't say. So if you need a killer instinct – how are you going to go about getting that? And it's that, that was kind of left unsaid. So I'm, I'm curious to see where we go here. Yeah, I, I actually really like the killer instinct line because it was mentioning the year before it was toughness, right? They said, we got to get yeah. tougher, we got to get tougher, and that was the buzzword of the offseason. But everybody kind of had this thought of what toughness is, which is you go and you, cra- you grab veteran players, you grab a guy who shows up and does an interview in Wayne Simmons where he says he's going to punch people's faces in, and you also say, like we did, which is a lot of that comes with your own internal group uh, where you say they get tougher, you know, they get hardened. Yeah. by an experience like that. Killer Instinct to me is just, it's very hard to define. It, it's very, like, when I think of Killer Instinct, it's like, what? What, what are we talking about? Like, you're going to get Justin Williams? He's going to come in and run the power play? Like, I don't know what this is supposed to be. What do you think it means? Like, if you had to guess at this vague, vague term, where, where do you start? I think that's a great question, J.D. I, I, I really think, like, I, I try to apply, like, everything I've learned to what other people can learn and see if there's any comparables. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned, and Bob McCown was actually the guy who taught me this. He said, sometimes you have to be an actor, okay? And, and that is you have to do things on air that may not be you, but there but you're 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 trying to be entertaining or you're trying to get a powerful point across and you have to be willing to say i'm going to do this to make the best me 
in this job that I can. And, or, you know, I try to be a nice, polite person in life, but sometimes you've got to be an ass. And you just have to say, okay, even though this isn't myself, I'm going to do it polite but firm to protect myself or get my point across. And I think the Maple Leafs have some players who, like, I I just think they're not wired to, like, basically run over people and do whatever they can to, you know, win a puck battle or something like that in the playoffs. And I think they've made strides. Like, I I, I think Matthews has really made strides. I thought Newlander played the best I've ever seen him play in a playoff series before. You know, I think the the one guy we're all kind of looking at here is Marner. And I think the I think the idea of trading him is quite frankly insane. Like it, it's not a trade you're going to win. Like I don't know how many trades you can make uh, for Marner and win. And you know, I I think he's still a guy who. You know, he has to learn to become, quote-unquote, for lack of a better term, that actor who says, in the playoffs, I'm, I'm going to run over you or at least try to change my attitude and my play a little bit to win this game. And, you know, that's what I think it is. And, and you, like, I remember when, when Colorado traded for Patrick Waugh, they said, we want Mike Keene in this deal. And Mike Keane was a guy who people loved playing with, but when he got into games, he would do anything he could to run over you and win that game. And after the game, he was friendly. He was easy to deal with. I mean, the guy played until he was in his 40s because teams loved having him around. But on the ice, he would do whatever he could to beat you. And I think that's what that mentality is. It's constantly evolving and saying, you know, this may not be the way I'm wired, but in the playoffs, you're my enemy and whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. And I think some people develop that mentality longer than others. I just, I just think it's crazy to give up on a 24 year old, a hundred point scorer who clearly wants to be successful for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, I I don't see that as a sensible play because I don't know how many trades you're going to make that are actually going to work for you. Oh, there, there's no doubt that it's going to be near impossible to get uh, equitable return for Mitch Marner. But I think everybody agrees with what you're talking about when it comes to the playoffs and his play and what we see and his demeanor. And then listening to his media availability yesterday – Sure, I would love to to put my mind to a place that I could believe that that is a, a something that can be learned or instilled over time. But we are we're at a place here where the sample is is getting larger, Elliot. It mm-hmm. it really is. And again, if we heard something yesterday, uh, some acknowledgement of that missing element or that something needs to change, it really does feel from all parties. Yes. Clearly, it was a disappointment. There's things we can all learn from. Everybody said that basically top to bottom. But that a mentality, something like that needing to change, especially from the player specifically, Mitch Marner, I, I don't know. It, it felt like he just said, the bounces didn't go my way, and you play that series out 100 different times, we win 90 of them. I, I just didn't hear an acknowledgement of, of that of that fact and, and that that needing to change. I just It's hard to, to say that that's going to change. 
You know, Ben, I have a lot of different opinions on the Marner thing from yesterday. And, you know, I like I understand your reaction. Here's why I feel differently, okay? First of all, I'm a big believer in don't listen to what people say. Watch what they do. I think there's a lot of performance art out there, especially in the social media era, right? And talk is cheap. It's what you do. So I'm, I'm curious to see what he's going to do. That's number one. Number two, um, think of what's happened to Meyer in the last 24 hours, okay? So since they lost, he's been absolutely destroyed. Like, no, no leaf has gotten it harder than he has, okay? He, it, there, there was a story that came out, which he says, and I, and I, like, when the story came out about him not willing to move on the power play, um, I reached out to him the day before, and this, one of his representatives got back to me and said, look, like, Marner is saying that story is not true. But he had that story fester. I mean, look, he says it's not true. That's as far as I'll go. But that story was out there for 24 hours. And, you know, it, it makes him, it, the, the story makes him look really bad. Um, whether you choose to believe the story or Marner, that's up to you. Marner's denying it. But it makes him look really bad. And he had to address that yesterday. So imagine how he's feeling. He's put yourself in his shoes. They just lost a series. He's played very poorly. You could see the reaction on his face and in his body language as he was playing. And then just as they lose, a story comes out that makes him look really selfish. And then there was that thing about him golfing, which apparently was also somebody made up and, and, and put out there because apparently he wasn't golfing at that time. Ben, you feel under siege. Okay. And, you know, could he have said something a little bit different? Could he have said, yes, I feel terrible. I vow to get better. hundred percent. That would have been the smarter thing for him to say. But my bet is that he felt under siege he felt the scapegoat, and he fought back. So yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't worry about that. What he said, yeah. I'm looking at okay, what's he going to do about it? Yeah, and ultimately, I think we all are. I would just kind of look at it though, and I, I, the way I saw that was this is part of confirming to me the lack of killer instinct like this is part of confirming that you are someone who lets the outside outside noise yes. in. Yeah. like if we're talking about maturity and the ability to be calm under pressure which is what we're looking for from Mitch Marner it's like the entire series is, I saw the same thing as you the frustrated player who couldn't just you know forget the last shot and take the next yeah. one right it was yeah. hesitance throughout the entire thing and and we talk about sample size all the time in the playoffs, and Dubas is a big believer of, oh, I, like, again, I was a little confused yesterday because they were talking about how you get judged on these games. These games obviously matter more, but then it would be foolish to evaluate these games in a way that's too, I, like, either way. There's a little bit of back and forth that doesn't really connect. But with Marner, that entire series, going back to the contract where he hasn't really done it in the postseason since signing it and since having that pressure, that it's been a story this entire time of he has mm -hmm. not been able to put the pressure of the contract behind him and he didn't like the way that the offseason went and the way that he was dealing with. The different ways in terms of like 
the media blitz in his defense has come out from people around him in his orbit where I mm -hmm. thought, and I mentioned this on the show this morning, like imagine LeBron James doing this. And I know Mitch Marner's not LeBron James and not everybody is, but like, do you remember the criticism Paul George took last year in the playoffs when the yep. Clippers flamed oh, yeah. out? And oh, it's yeah. like Paul George didn't have agents and friends and like going out and doing things where you're like, Hey, this is uh uh, this is unchecked. This is unfair. Some of his peers did it for him, which I thought Matthews did, and that's fair. But I just I keep looking at it as a body of evidence of everything. And to me, it's like this is just further proof that you're confirming the doubts that people have in you. And at what point does this not all kind of come together and say when we're looking at a potential trade or a deal or whatever that – maybe just maybe there is a little addition by subtraction that maybe just maybe that if your hero Theo Epstein or Daryl Morey or the guys that you've looked to who have acknowledged time and time again that there is a component that is outside of those numbers that maybe this is it you know I, I look I just JD like I can't give up on a guy who's 24 year old sure. and, talented. and that makes I sense I just can't you know like like I, like, I don't like Hey, everybody's got an opinion. I got no problem with that. Everybody's entitled. I'm just saying what I would do in this. The other thing, too, is, and this is important, do you think Mitch Marner cares positively? Like, when you look at him, do you look at that guy and say, he's falling apart emotionally here because he so badly wants to do well? Yes or no? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, JD? I do. Yeah, I, I do. I just, you know, I, I also wonder at what point that becomes damaging. Like, I, I think guys care. I, I'll never criticize players normally anyways unless they actually come out and outwardly say it uh, yeah. or give their actions of, like, you know, a Terrell Owens in a driveway and being like, I just want the ball. Then I'm going to be like, oh, that guy doesn't really care about winning. No, Kevin Love. Kevin Love punching the, the basketball back out. Yeah, whatever. Unless I get an egregious, egregious example. I don't think Mitch Marner doesn't care. I watched that kid at the podium also, like, basically in tears talking about this series and this outlet. And I, I know he cares. I just don't know what that value is ultimately. And to me, it's just this, this question comes down to can you win with this core four and what gets removed? And to me, it's like I was talking about this with Ben on the phone yesterday. So we talked to CJ, and maybe we'll just kind of pivot to here. But it's like he feels like it's, it's more likely than not that Zach Hyman's gone, right? And then by I my – I think Zach Hyman has a big decision to make, yeah. Right. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough, especially when you look at – and maybe I've got this wrong because I'm a real math idiot. But when I looked at Cap Friendly yesterday and I was trying to break it down, it's like if they bring back Spezza, which is a lock, at that same salary, you've got just under $12 million to play with. You need a goalie. You've got negotiations with Hyman. And you've got about 10 spots to fill. And, and I just look at all that and I say, are you really going to lose Zach Hyman for nothing? Is this going to turn into another own rental? Is this going to compile and add to the list of the JVRs and the Bozaks and the Berries and whatever else that this team has lost? And Freddie Anderson is going to be another one of those. Or is it more valuable to you to try and shift off of one of your pieces, keep a guy like, like when I think Killer Instinct, who embodies that on this team more than Zach Hyman? I would say it's like him and Austin Matthews. They're 1A and 1B. So you're going to lose that for free? You're going to lose that for nothing other than what he's given you. It's just it's hard for me to do the math where I say that the four still makes sense. And 
I don't know how you move Tavares. You definitely don't move Matthews. I love Nylander's value. It's, it's not more about that I don't believe a 24-year-old kid can get better. I think it's just more about how many kicks at the can do you give for a formula that is working historically bad. First of all, uh, there's a lot to unpack there, so let's yeah, go through sorry. it. Number one, no, all good, J.D. Number one, I want the visual of Marner doing sit-ups in his driveway. When, yeah. Ever since you mentioned yeah. Terrell Owens, I haven't stopped thinking about that. Right. Okay. Uh, look, like, one of the debates everyone's having is, and, and I believe last five years, I know they won a Stanley Cup, but Crosby and Malkin were written off. Ovechkin and Backstrom were, rip, were, were written off. Even the Tampa guys, after they lost to Columbus, were written off. Now, some people come back at me with, oh, well, they won some playoff rounds. True, fine. But at the end of the day, you're judged on one thing. You win the Cup or not. And all of those teams could have blown up those, those groups. And they didn't. And I believe you bet on talent. So, like, I won't give you a different answer, J.D. I believe you bet on talent. You need a team. You, like, the Islanders are proof. You need a team. You need a structure. You need everybody understanding their roles. But at the end of the day, I bet on talent and always will. The, the thing that I do think they're going to do is I think they are going to look around the league and I think they are going to identify the best player or players that they can find who are not what they have, who are proven uh, killer instinct guys, and say, how can we bring those in? Or what do we not have that we need and who are the best players that we can get who are available and how do we do it? Like, uh, like someone told me this, uh, actually, it was just this morning. I was on the phone with someone this morning. They said that around the deadline, Dubitz was looking at some things, and he was just casting his lines in the water. Mm-hmm. And he would say, hmm, I can't do this. I can't make it fit. And he wouldn't tell me what player they were talking about specifically, but they said that Dubas was looking at trying some things that were big, but they were just things he couldn't do during the year. It wasn't going to be able to fit. And he said he may try to revisit some of these things. And I said, well, what are you talking about here? And he says, you think I'm going to do all your work for you? Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to have a busy off season, yeah. but I, I think they're going to try some things. I think they're going to look... I do think that they are going to look for, say, what don't we have that we need and who's the best at it we can get? Yeah, I hope so, because... I, no, I, J.D., they're not, they're not standing still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to... Look, why are they so upset? They're upset because they had a great year and they didn't have to go through Tampa Bay and Boston. Now, now they got to go through Tampa Bay and Boston again, and Florida, yeah. and you know, look, Montreal. Um, like they, they're they're not going to stand still, JD. They're just not. 
Well, part of it is too, and and again, like if they end up keeping Marner, uh, I this is not me going to be apoplectic about it. That's the person that I've circled just in terms of what makes most sense to me. But again, that's just my opinion, and that's one even where I'm acknowledging that I don't think that they can win that trade from just a hockey standpoint. From a pure numbers and talent standpoint, it's not one that you can win. To me, it's about all the ancillary stuff around it and not just losing a guy like Hyman or not forcing yourself into a trade where you're looking at maybe even moving someone like Morgan Riley, who I I really do like as one of the leaders of this team now. But I tried to outline this case earlier, and I know that you felt it too. And like I know you wrote about, you know, your friend in Thirty One Thoughts. But this loss has felt different, and I know that that's in the moment of it. And whenever you win, it cures everything, and people come back. But there's a sourness to this loss. There is a pain to this loss that is different than anything I've felt in my lifetime. And like part of the reason why I thought, you know, you can't bring back the same group in, in the same way, and, and you're saying they won't, is that maybe there actually is long-term damage to the brand here. And, and I do wonder if there have been any conversations that you've heard about how MLSE feels, how big bosses feel about this performance, and whether or not this is actually going to turn into dollars and cents that do not come back to the team. Um. I'm sure there's going to be anger. Like, absolutely. Like, I'll say this, you know, I got up, I don't even know what day it is, Tuesday morning, and uh, I walked outside my house because I was going to go drive my son to school, and one of my neighbors was out in his morning walk, and he was wearing a Leaf jersey. And I was like, I was like wow, like, that, that is a fashion statement. And he laughed, and he said, you know, what am I going to do? I'm hooked. And he kind of laughed about it. And, but, you know, like I, you know, you don't have this reaction if people don't care, J.D. Right. I agree. You know, like, like may they, will they lose some fans? Yeah, it, it's possible. But, you know, like, it's been going on this way for 50-plus years, right? Mm-hmm. How much heartbreak have Leaf fans had? And I, mean. I, admi- I admire their loyalty. I respect it. Like this year, it's a brutal loss for them for the reasons we just mentioned. They had a great regular season. They, they, remember those games against Edmonton? We were, I mean, we were planning the parades. <laughs> Can't wait um, to see them and, on the and, Amazon series. Yeah, and then they were, and then and you know, you didn't have to go through Tampa and Boston in the first two rounds, like. I will say this. I think all those players and all the people in that organization, they see the same things that the fans do. Like, this was the year to run, to make the run. Yep. And when it doesn't happen, man, it, it sucks. So if they're not going to stand still, where do you think that starts? Who do, who do the conversations center around on this roster? I think, I, I think, the, I think the question is – if it's me, and this is the way I suspect they're going to do it, I think you start the question the other way. And that is, who, do we, who are we getting? Who do we need? And how do we go on that path? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be an interesting offseason. Busy one for you. More busy days ahead for yeah, Elliot Friedman. You're going to do all this work, and then it's going to be the off season, and they're going to be like biggest off season for Lisa Elliot. Strap yeah. in, you know. Yeah. You yeah. guys stay busy, stay hot. Yep. Uh, they'll be that week after July first or whatever it is uh, this year. But yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, Ben. And Ben, it's like your 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 summer break is August 17th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Welcome yeah, back. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, that'll be a good one. Enjoy. I always day. say I knew the rules going in. I That's knew right. the rules going in. And we appreciate you taking time for us today, Elliot. Talk again soon. My pleasure, guys. Thanks, man. See you, guys. You too. Elliot Friedman. Yeah, my dad was there in 1967, so he claims. Maple Leaf Gardens. Every time Dude, I why are you doing that to him? He he was there, all right. You know, like let's just believe him. So no, he, he, was, he was there. He was you there. You and I go back and forth. Would be nice him. to see one picture though of him. Yeah. You know, in his or like jersey. a ticket stub or yeah, like any <laughs> evidence that he ever one cared thing. about the team. Yeah, like a hat. Does he even have a Leafs ball cap? Socks? Like nothing. I, this he is he a has place like that's a head cover on his golf club. I think. Hmm. Knowing your dad, that was free. <laughs> That was something that was. Oh, I think I bought it for given. Him, yeah. Oh yeah, I was gonna say like that was one hundred percent not his purchase. So yeah. Um, yeah, but every conversation I have with him about this team and what's mm-hmm. next is I'm out on hockey. I'm out on hockey. Okay, we'll see. I do, man. This is sports. Like, to th- this team is in many respects beyond Red Sox mm-hmm. Cubs of the early two thousands. But it's not that far off, and mm-hmm. eventually there was a payoff, right? And we're talking about a different sport where it was much more difficult to make the playoffs, right? And we're not even asking for a championship here. Mm-hmm. Talking about winning a round against an inferior opponent. But sports is about heartbreak, largely, mm-hmm. largely, largely, and about the payoff eventually. Yeah. I... I keep hearing the thing about the talent and I keep understanding it with Mitch Marner. I really do. I, I, I think that finding guys of his talent, how many guys in the league have it? Not very not many. many. No, top five. And running back the talent year over year, like, it is... I, it, in a lot of ways, it's almost the... the it is the safer strategy, Right? And so I, I guess if the people that are closest to it and that are on the inside believe that that killer instinct is developed and that it's learned and that some of the things that leak out and that we see on the outside where we evaluate it as a immaturity, as a uh, inability to rise to the occasion, whether it's a media conference or the last 18 games of the postseason – to me, that's the gamble that essentially you're making when it comes to everybody's jobs and the future of this organization. Because, yeah, okay, you won't stand still. Maybe it's what you can get back and what comes back comes out at a different value. But, boy, it's it's not easy. <laughs> this is not an easy offseason yeah. for them. This is an excruciating offseason where I just I look at it all and say, I don't know where you begin because there was so much evidence of good, yeah. so little of bad. Yeah. But the bad was so bad that yeah. you can't go back and think about the good. I, yeah, it's two, awful. Two things I, I don't want to ever hear again from anyone associated with this, this hockey team. I already said the one is the social media. Who cares about social media? Who cares? Doesn't matter. Not everybody's on Twitter. In fact, I would say the large majority of Leaf fans are not on Twitter. So, like, mm. shut up about Twitter. And two, I don't want to hear about the overtime in Game 6 ever again. Mm. I, I can't That's think fair. of a, a more irrelevant evidentiary 
proof that this team was right there in this series after they played, not arguably, I think demonstrably, their worst 40 minutes of the entire season. And Kyle Dubas kind of acknowledged that at least. But I don't want to hear about how they outshot him 13-2 to in overtime of Game 6 after getting absolutely caved in, and if not for Jack Campbell, having no chance of getting anywhere near an overtime. So I don't want to hear about that. Eleven oh one on a Thursday morning, and three hundred and fifty-four thousand human beings from across the globe have watched Steve Dangle's Game Seven LFR, and I would say the majority of them, like myself, have watched the entirety of the thirty-one minutes and fourteen seconds of. I guess cathartic screaming. Our friend Steve Dangle joins us online right now. How's it going, buddy? Jesus, is this Ben Ennis or Ben Stein? I mean, I'm depressed too, but geez, this, this, this sucks, man. Like, let's just, I'm on the phone because this sucks. That's why I'm on the phone. This sucks. Yeah. It does we suck. We would have had you on the phone if it didn't suck too, though. Dude, it would have been so much better yeah, but- if you. That's I, I love that. I get people talking to me about what's better for the show, and like, aren't you guys kind of like happy that the Leafs are out and you can scream and yell? No, man. Look at our 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 best uh, podcasts as far as radio shows turned into podcasts and the individual podcasts we did during the Raptors championship run. People, sure, they listen in for the car crash, but they're way more happy to listen in when they're happy. So, yes, is it like a good couple of days of content, but it, it is over soon. Yeah. I'll, I'll tear down the fourth wall. Everyone listening, this member of the media lost a lot of money on Monday, and I didn't bet any of it. I just lost it because the Leafs went, poof, I make money by making videos after Leafs games, and there's no more Leafs games. You think I want this? You should pick a new team. <laughs> Good team right? that goes deep. You should isn't like your producer is a Colorado fan. You should just jump on that bandwagon with him and like get him to give you the stamps as an as a Colorado fan and just do those. Oh, he's been whispering in my ear this whole time. Like, and and I look at Nathan McKinnon, yeah. and I go, "Gosh, look at all those points." Yeah. Gosh, look at like. You don't you don't have to be like, hey man, can you can you break through the other team's defense? You think you think that'd be good? He just kinda does it. He just kinda does it. But who does he play for? Not the Leafs. And yeah. and imagine that. Colorado looking A OK without Nazan Kadri in the lineup. Imagine that not being the thing that makes or breaks your team. Oh yeah. boys, I'm so upset. Which path do you want to go down? This is I'm like a goosebumps well, book right now. Which just Create, create your own, create your own story. Which, which sad path do we want to go down? I love those, but I was the biggest cheater of those. Like, who didn't? Those books are just designed to cheat. Like, whoever yeah. got killed well, and was like, "All right, break from the oh. book." You know, like it's like well, that's no, you the, cheat. no, you burn the book. Yeah, after uh, yeah, you get die, and then yeah. yeah, you gotta throw it out. Get another you one. Were, it was reader beware. You're in you're for a scare. That was the main one. What was the choose your own scare? I can't remember. But either way, R.L. Stein, genius, genius man. That's an awesome, awesome. Maybe my favorite author. You know, <laughs> like volume, time in my hey. life. R.L. Hey. Stein, underrated. All right, underrated. R.L. Stein. I can think of a few good authors. 
JD Bunkus? Nah. Not as good as RL. Not as good as RL Stein. I don't even uh, know if RL Stein's a man or a woman. Don't know. Just know that. That's actually, I don't know. <laughs> I yeah. legitimately don't know. <laughs> I know. Just writes rocking goosebumps books. Okay, you know where I want to go? One is that here's the thing why you don't be a Drew, why you don't be a Colorado fan when you live in this province or when you live in Canada. It's like, one, you know, Misery Loves Company, you know, what's cathartic being able to all get together and have this bond of caring about this team and they lose and it sucks and we go through it together. What does Drew have? Nothing. He's just there like, I hope people care about my team with me. It's like, congrats, you're going to win a Stanley Cup. Guess what you're going to do? Celebrate in your basement alone and send texts to people who don't care that you won at all. And that's great. Congrats. You won. I'd rather live in the existence where, you know, you're with people and you have strength in numbers. Two, here's what I do hate about this. Um, I'm really, really over the Leafs just being a laughing stock and a punching bag and that this has kind of reached a bit of a critical point to me. And I said it to Elliot. I said it on the show yesterday. I've said it on the show the day before that I'm just really, really tired of this fan base getting kicked in the teeth and having to be the brunt of a joke in the NHL and that at some point, you know, it it starts to change you. And there have been a lot of fans in my mentions, I can't imagine the amount that have reached out to you, that have Uh. said this thing feels different, that have said that this is different. And, you know, my counterpoint has been simply that if you're even taking the time to write me, you're screwed because you're already invested so much that you're listening to the shows still and you're – you're just a Leaf fan for life, and as soon as they win, you're going to start to hope and believe. And like even me at that Dubis media conference yesterday, I'm thinking, he goes, the story is just getting started, and the story will get better. And I'm like, I believe you. <laughs> you know, like I, There's a part of me that screams, like, I believe you so much. Let's do it. Run it back. Do all the things. But does this feel different to you, man? Like, h- How are you feeling just about the outlook moving forward and, and whether or not this is a scar that – actually does change the mentality of a fan base from like it's fun to suck to it really sucks to suck and i'm tired of it and i can't take it anymore oh well the next regular season is uh 82 ideally 82 i hope it's an 82 game season but it's 82 exhibition games like it's 82 meaningless dog poof do not care why am I even up watching this? You know how hard it's going to be to watch the California road trip next year? I don't care. I do not care about the regular They need season. Leafs in 30. They need to do Leafs in 30 like they do Jays in 30 and give us that for the West Coast road trips or for the back-to-backs, whatever. Just give us Leafs in 30. Yeah, but, but the, the games have to be 30. Like, I'm talking, I, I want, here, like, how do we go down to eight-minute periods? Like, like how, do, how do we do something like that? Like, just, the regular season doesn't matter, and you know, Shanahan's quotes gave me comfort because I'm like, I'm glad he's looking at this more rationally than I am. I'm, we're both upholding our end of the bargain. Fans are supposed to be passionate. If, if any Leaf fan is going, oh, well, you know, uh, better luck next year, then the Leafs are in trouble. But fans care. So let the woe is you. People care about your team. You know what I mean? But Shanahan's job in all this is to look at it rationally. And nobody wants to hear this right now. Nobody. But some of the best teams in the league, some of the most successful teams in the league, in recent memory, were garbage in the playoffs for their first, like, five years. The Stamkos Lightning didn't have much luck for quite a while. Um, the uh, Nathan McKinnon's Avalanche, good Lord. Good Lord. 
We were that that dude. You, you got to remember the reason he makes six point three mil is because the Avalanche got under fifty points in a season, and he didn't exactly have a great season. And then he decided, uh, actually, I'm God now, and just decided to wipe the floor with the league. Most teams go through this. The Chicago Blackhawks are like kind of the only real outlier. The Blues. We were talking about. Hey, what would you give up for Colton Pareko? Hey, Leaf fans, what would you give up for Alex Petrangelo? And six months later, they're hoisting the Stanley Cup, despite being in last place. You know what I mean? So the rational way to look at this is next year they'll be a year older. You surround them with a decent core like you did, or sorry, decent supporting cast like you did this year. And who knows, maybe it'll be different. But until they actually do it, I simply cannot... I cannot imagine it, Barney the Dinosaur, imagine it in my mind. Yeah, I mean, maybe it'll be different. That seems like flawed thinking. It seems like the thinking that this front office is is taking. Uh, We are not talking about a small sample, and we're talking about things that are, are, are apparent in the final three games of the series. And if we're talking about... There'll never be excitement for next regular season. It's just... I can't see the path towards that. But would altering the core, would trading a Mitch Marner, even for a return that's not super spectacular, would it change, do you think, the fan base's feelings about hope? Would, would hope be altered with an, with an alteration of the core four? I mean, as a Leaf fan, I would not – I'm not going to celebrate a change to the core. It'll be – like, I made a video – uh, when the Leafs traded Phil Kessel. And you know what? They got a pretty decent return for Phil Kessel. I mean, the Penguins got a better one. They won two cups. But the, the Leafs got a pretty good return. That allowed them to get Freddie Anderson. They got Kapanen. in. And look, that's, you know, they used him for a few years and got good return for him. That was all great. But I couldn't celebrate the trade because it was an era wasted. An entire era with this player wasted. half a decade wasted so if one of the core four gets moved i'm going to be super bummed as a leafs fan because it'll be an era wasted and here's the cold thing about all of it right so forget the names matthews Tavares, marner pull one out of a hat it doesn't matter there was a justification a few years ago listen we sign everyone to term and the cap will go up by the end of it. The cap will be like, I don't know, $90 million. Who knows? Maybe higher. Mm-hmm. And the least you're going to spend to the cap every year. So what's the big deal? Screw it. Let it ride. And like that, there was perfect justification to that argument. And then nobody asked for this, but a pandemic hit and the cap is stuck. So you have to explore trading a big money player because the plan has to change because the entire world changed. It's cold. It's not personal. It just is what it is. It's numbers. It's bean counting. It's, it just is what it is. The cap is staying flat. They can't do this anymore. Yeah, that's the part of the argument where it's like other teams have gone through this. It's like, I agree. You know, Tampa has had struggles. And even taking away the, well, other teams got out of the first round of the playoffs, I'm like, yep, okay, that's part of it. But ultimately, this is about winning, right? And 
whether or not you feel like you're building a winner and taking steps towards that. Usually we measure it where it's like, well, they got to the first round and then it's binary, so now they can get a second round. It's like, I don't know how much of that now that the dust is settling feels true, but that's the part of the equation that drives me nuts that keeps getting left off, which is something Ben and I talked about last night, I think on the phone or maybe two nights ago, which is, yeah, uh, these teams, a lot of them, where they keep pointing to certain groups that won, didn't have to deal with a salary cap, like right before 2004, 2005. Then there's yep. a large group of these teams where, I'm sorry, they did win without the same capital implications, without these four players. Like, that graphic of Carey Price being the first, like, $10 million player or whatever to get out of the first round, like, that had to be a little eye-opening for people when you look at this team and they have three of those guys. And then, yes, the other part is the pandemic. And I hate using that, and I hate saying it. And this is not an excuse, by the way. Like, I really don't think it's an excuse because every team has had to deal with it. But, yeah, I'm sorry, but your strategy has to change. And you can't just look at it simply like if you give up on good players and you do the thing, it's like this isn't about giving up good players or not. Like that's a part of what is going to happen. But the larger issue is that you keep dealing with a flat cap where four players dominate 50% of it. And I, like I was doing the math earlier and I could be wrong. And I'll say again, caveat with anything I do math wise. But to me, if they bring back Jason Spezza at that same deal, they got 10 spots to fill with $11.8 million. And <sighs> and. If you're looking at that and you're saying that guys like CJ are going, Zach Hyman can get $6 million on the open market, so half of it is going to be where one guy who you really should be trying to keep, it's just it makes it very, very difficult for me to see how this roster is going to get any better and how they're not this quote-unquote run-it-back formula. is like, okay, you're running it back except worse. Can I tell you, like I, I saw CJ's quote about Hyman from your show yesterday yeah. i saw it right before recording my podcast mm-hmm. and it burned the whole podcast down it made it one of the most depressing shows i've ever Sorry. recorded because Sorry. i i had a i would refer to it as a rational love but we'll call it an irrational love because that's what everyone says of james reimer for years and years and when the leafs traded him because he was my favorite player from that team when the leafs traded him i was shattered i was so sad but for god's sake at least it was in the middle of a rebuild at least it was in the middle of a season where they were trying to finish last or as close to it as they could the Leafs losing hyman for nothing i'm not going to be able to get over that, that that'll be the worst the worst thing since then for me as a fan and and it's like dubis after the second time kadri was suspended he's like well you know, Nas has something that we, you know, don't exactly have in abundance. Oh, my God, that's Hyman. That's Hyman. This is why, this is part of the reason why, and keep in mind, this guy's going to get a huge payday, and it's still going to be at, like, half the cost of the biggest guys in this lineup. This is why you have to have a cold, calculated conversation about the contracts on this team. It's it's nothing personal. They could have done well. They could have done well, and you still have to have this conversation. It can't it can't sustain. The cap's going to stay still for like three years at least. Freed's reported as many as five. You you can't you can't you can't you simply can't. You, you oh god, they're going to have to make a lot tougher decisions this off season than Zach Hyman. That's what gives me pause. 
Well, that's it. I mean, that's the simple math equation. Is it better to get 75 cents on the Mitch Marner dollar but retain Zach Hyman as opposed to retaining the 10-plus million dollars of Mitch Marner and losing Zach Hyman? That seems like actually a pretty interesting conversation and one that I'd probably do the first one on. Well, and like, oh, don't worry. Seattle's going to help solve our cap situation. Oh, don't worry. Seattle's going to get a guy like, you know, Alexander Kerfoot. If Seattle takes Alexander Kerfoot for nothing, then the only return, this is me doing a trade tree in my head, the only return the Leafs will have from the Cadre trade is Michael Hutchinson because they traded him for, uh, Callie Rosen was in the original Habs trade, and then they traded Hutch to the Avalanche to get Rosen back. (laughs) Oh, dude. I'm so depressed. I'm so depressed. This is why I'm glad Shanahan's in charge. He's not as depressed as me, and he's going to be smarter about this than me. But um, the math math does not look at the name. The math doesn't care. Yeah. Um, The Leafs have a math problem. They do. And they have Brandon Pridham, and a lot has been made of him. And I believe in his abilities. There's no doubt. How could you not look at this season? It's just – it's – this is what it just comes down to to me is, okay, so if you run it back and you bring back those players and you have them eating up like the 50% of your cap space between the four and you have the after Jason Spezza $11.8-ish million left to fill out all of those holes on your roster, that's assuming, again, you're not bringing back Zach Hyman. That's assuming that you're not going to be as stable in net. You're going to have to figure something out. Like, unless Freddie Anderson stays, you're going to take a step backwards. Like, as much heat as that guy takes in the city, having him versus what the next option is going to be is going to be worse. And over the course of an 82-game regular season where Jack Campbell has dealt with injuries and is also 30 years old and, I'm sorry, is unproven as a starter over that length of time, you know, you're, you're going back into a timeline that we've already seen, which is when you have the one goalie in this city, especially one that... You're not necess- like when you don't have a backup, it's a real problem. It's a real problem when you're in a division with really good teams like Tampa and Boston. And that's the other part. You're back in a division with Tampa and Boston. You're back in a division with Florida. You're back in a harder spot with the team that also just beat you with a bunch of young guys who have been proving that they're very, very clutch. Like, is it enough to just get rid of Alex Kerfoot and try to move his $3.5 million? And, like, what's that going to cost you in draft pick capital? Eventually, that's going to hurt you. Like, all of these own rentals are starting to come home to roost. And that mm-hmm. would be the worst one. You're right. Is the Zach Hyman thing. Because it has been James Van Riemsdyk and you went, oh, it's okay. You can do that. You know, this group's trying to win. It's an own rental. Okay, it's Tyler Bozak. That's okay. You do it. Now, once you start moving into Zach Hyman territory, now when you start moving into, by the way, the following season Morgan Riley territory of own rental, I, I, these are kind of the moves where I don't know how you really recover from them. And I don't know how you position yourself to win. Like, I, I just don't look at this formula right now and see any way where they can build a team around these four guys after what we've seen the last couple of seasons with less wiggle room that, that is going to make them take a step outside of this whole, like, what, they're going to develop a killer instinct with less pieces around them without the guy with maybe the best killer instinct on the team in Zach Hyman? I, I just don't see how this is operating. So well, if it's you, well, <laughs> which what do you move? Like, which one of the guys are you circling? Is it, like, is it simple? Is it Marner? Or is it, like, you're trying to get a little bit more creative and you're actually putting like the Morgan Riley thing on the table. Like what do you, what do you begin with if, if it's you? 
I, I am putting the Morgan Riley thing on the table, and I love sure. him. But here, I know what you're wondering. How can Steve make this worse? And I'm so glad you asked. So yeah. with the expansion draft, my understanding, unless I have a completely wrong understanding of how this works, is they can protect seven forwards in 3D or four forwards in 4D. They might actually want to consider the four forwards 4D because they have four big forwards, right? They got a bunch of young kids coming up. They could go young. They got pending free agents. They don't have to protect Zach Hyman because in theory what they could do is, like, even if they were to bring him back, yeah, he can be a UFA, sign after the expansion draft, ha-ha. You know, it it would hardly uh, be the the – the, the schemiest thing going on in the NHL these days. But if they don't do four and four, Riley is signed the next year. Muzzin is signed a term. Hall, I think, has two years left. Yeah. And who am I missing? Who am I missing? Oh, Brody, Brody who they just signed this past left. summer, has three years. So if you go seven and three, then you have to expose one of those guys. So unless the Leafs are willing to lose one of those guys for nothing or trade one of them, I think they're going to have to go four and four. So I, what would I do? I call Seattle, <laughs> call Seattle. Um, and you're probably not going to want to make a deal with them. Um, because I mean, a lot of teams got into trouble with that, with Vegas. Here's, here's one. Here's one. I think the patience for building a team uh, over the course of like, you know, a quarter century is gone after what Vegas did. Seattle's going to get a ton of young assets from teams, young, cheap, good assets. If you want to accelerate your franchise a little bit and you go, who on earth can afford a, a, you know, a contract like Marner's, for example, who can even fit that under the cap? They can, and you could probably get a decent return of futures for them. It's, 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 it's an idea. Listen, I'm just trying to, it's nothing personal. I'm trying to come up with ideas to make this team better. And like I said, this after the trade deadline, I looked at the team lines, one through four pairings, one through three. I look at Jack Campbell and net. I looked at the fact that they got Dave Riddick as insurance to the insurance. And what would I change? This, this is what breaks my heart the most about this year's team. Like, last year I was yelling at Dubas. I'm like, ah, I wouldn't have done this, and I wouldn't have done that, and I don't like what you did with this team. And I look at this team, and I go, God, there's just nothing I would have changed. <laughs> it's, they, they were certainly good enough to get through the first round for the love of God, and now we're having conversations where we're getting rid of the most important parts of the team, not because we're mad, but because they have to. That's it, exactly. I thought that this was the year that those guys got and that it gets expedited by the fact that, you know, they crumbled. And that's why, like, and I I also said this off the top of the show, you know, is it unfortunate? Is it too bad that it is here? Is it crushing for so many fans that invested in this core and who thought that this was going to be different? Absolutely it is. But it's a privilege to play in a place where people care and where winning is more important than anywhere else in hockey and it just is and that it comes with a bigger upside and it comes with a legacy defining element of it like i'm sorry and but when you shoot yourself in the foot this many times and it happens this way where you had three straight games to close out 
Montreal Canadiens and to end up in a series against the Jets team that you, you still were favored against as well. I, I just It's hard for me to have really a lot of sympathy for criticisms and for evaluations about trades. To me, the, the Seattle thing when I think Dubas mentioned it, that they're not really in trouble against them. I, I agree. I think four and four is the way because you go Matthews, Marner, Tavares, Nylander. The worst take I think that's out there right now is exposed Tavares to Seattle. I'm like, no, he has more value oh, than just stop. letting... I know, then letting your captain walk for free to Seattle where they just pluck him and take him. And then you defend those four defensemen. Um, my only, like, I, I thought, well, maybe you could kind of expose all, but there's really not seven forwards that you're trying to protect. What are you trying to do? You're trying to protect Mikheyev? Like, okay, if they take him, they take him. Like, it's too well, bad. What? Like, you're protecting Pierre Engvall? Like, no, you're protecting what exactly? Like, unless Robertson is a part of this, which I'm not sure he is. I don't then, think so. Then yeah, right. So then you've only got four forwards to protect, anyways, and you've got four defensemen. And then it just becomes a question of like we were talking to Elliot today, and I, I am I am shifting it talking to him, and that's when you know you get lucky and get to pick a guy's brain like that. And CJ the day before, where it's like this really does come down to what is going to be available and what is going to be the co- like the cost of acquisition, and trying to figure out that balance. I I don't think that the Leafs are in a spot anymore where it is just you know you only trade Marner. It's that. Everything's on the table outside of obviously Matthews because there's just no chance in hell you're ever trading Austin Matthews. And then you're just kind of fielding offers and you're looking at every single team and seeing who wants to do what and trying to find some more balance down your roster. And unfortunately, because I don't want to see Nylander traded after that playoff series, who does? But if that ends up being Nylander who gets you the godfather deal back that gives you a little bit more roster balance and does allow you to make some different moves, then it ends up being Nylander because I'm sorry, nobody other than Matthews is safe. And and getting back to something you said, the, oh, exposed Tavares to Seattle. You, you want to talk about the one absolutely blameless player in this whole choke? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. how how is anyone shipping Tavares out of town? What's wrong with you? Of all the people to target, um, I I don't know. I'm I assume that's a really really small. Uh, minority in there it's yeah I've just seen it I've just I've seen the takes the takes are often like do you try to trade Marner to Columbus for Seth Jones and something do you try to trade Marner to uh, Buffalo for Eichel and or do you expose Tavares to Seattle those are like the three I would say most like populist takes that I get in the DMs or that I've seen on Twitter and that I'm like, yeah, none of those three things are happening. Like, if they're the ones that are the most obvious, it's just like, no, those are the three that you can basically scratch off. What what I do worry about, you know, because they're going to have to... Recruitment's going to be huge here. You're, you're going to have to find talented players and you're going to have to find cheap players. And, it, you know, obviously this past offseason, guys were clamoring to come here. And, like, some of the guys who joined this team, I couldn't believe it. You know, Wayne Simmons, oh, my God, after all these years of asking, I couldn't believe it. Joe Thornton in a Leafs uniform was never not surreal. <laughs> Every game he played, I don't care if he Especially had Especially when he was still not. playing on the first power play unit in must-win games. It was very, that's yeah, how well, I would describe it too, surreal. <laughs> that's an hour-long conversation right there. But, yeah. but uh, I wonder if this gives free agents pause and there's a little bit of this this market being radioactive because you do, I mean I mean athletes are superstitious right <laughs> I, I'm sorry I don't know how you can't look at this team and not go yeah I don't know they might be haunted 
Yeah. Okay. So actually, before we go, that's the last thing I'll want to touch on, which is last off season. It really did feel like people believed this team could win. They certainly looked at the position they were in, and some guys decided that they were going to come here and that maybe they were going to take less. And that's what I find so interesting about the potential Hyman negotiation is clearly there's a number where Toronto is going to walk away, right? Like if he can get something on the open market that they are going to lose him for the quote unquote nothing. And you just kind of tip the cap that the guy gets it right. Like I think that's in like the six, five range where like you can't even entertain it because like what, what are we even doing? If you're moving somebody out, like to create cash space that now we're into the spot where you're just tying up your money in a different four forwards. But if Hyman looks at this group and says, I am going to take less, I am going to be the guy that wants to be a part of this solution, the killer instinct, I want to be here, I'll take some type of, and again, it's going to take a monumental sacrifice. And it's why CJ said that he doesn't see it happening because we're talking about like millions of dollars. And that's hard to wrap your mind around. But if he does that, I think that's a huge domino because... What is going to happen here? Why would you ever want to be a player? I thought this is such a different league than the NBA, and I'm so used to the NBA. Like, I'm a fan of it. Ben's a fan of it. We watch a lot of it. But, like, I see Draymond Green on a panel yesterday on inside the NBA, and Draymond Green is, like, going over what makes it hard to defend Luka Doncic, and he's just being himself. And I thought, imagine seeing that right now, where, like, one of the faces of the NHL is on these panels and just, you know, riffing and letting it rip and being themselves. It's like, that's not happening. Guys don't like criticism here. Look at the pushback that's happened with the criticism of Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner's not being criticized in ways that are that different from other stars and other sports when they have massive disappointments. I compared it to Paul George. You didn't see the pushback that you're seeing from, like, the Marner camp. From this, like the, the reaction to this as though this is so like unbelievably unfair, it's not. It's hockey. This isn't part of hockey problem. Is like, are you really going to see guys look at what happened this offseason, the vitriol from fans, the coverage, the intensity, the pressure of it, and say, I'm going to take less money to go to a team that doesn't win, that hasn't been able to get over the hump, and play in a market that is really pissed off right now and couldn't be further disconnected from loving the team? <laughs> I don't know. It seems like a hard thing to, uh, to accept as a possibility. I-, I will say that. And again, a lot of it to me stems with what happens with Hyman and how guys look at what could happen with him and his contract. Zach, put on the cape, buddy. We need a hero. Done it so often. <laughs> That's his job. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, be the hero, man. Be, be the guy. hero you always wish the Leafs had when you were a kid, man. Please. Yeah. No, he's the guy that saves them during the regular season. He's the guy that provides energy, and he's going to be the only guy to take less. No. Uh, yeah, we'll just have to rename the. Yeah, team except for I, if I'm Seattle guys. and I can negotiate with him beforehand, I'm like, hey, you know what would be really good to have? That guy. You know yeah, who we should try it. to get? Uh, that guy. We well, you know what we have? App space. You know what we don't Listen, care about? I- $6.5 million over five years. I, I don't have the same pull in Toronto, but I will make sure there's like a Hyman drive in Oshawa. Like I'll, 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 yeah. I'll see what I can do. I'll pull some strings, Zach, for the love of God. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I hope so. Yeah. Perhaps Anyways, even a buddy, congrats. I, I know that's what? a weird thing to say to you. No, you know what, man, honestly. And I've shared, I shared this with you a little privately and I know that you're not the type of guy who likes this. Like it's very true, but like, the the streaming numbers that you were doing and 
getting to tune into some of those, especially when it was falling apart in game seven. And like, that's hard to do, dude. I, I was frustrated. Like I was texting Ben about how I wanted to walk away from the television and like, I'm only watching it because it's my job. <laughs> and for you to like, have to kind of sit in there and just eat it for three games and have that kind of an audience and still be entertaining and still carry it the way that you did. And like, yeah, to see the successes of it, it like, you know, you lost them a lot of money, you said, moving forward with some of these streams. But, like, yeah, it's pretty clear that, you know, you're going to make that up on, like, you'll be made whole eventually, you know? Like, so, anyway, it was, just, it was, it was, un, that was an unprecedented thing that happened in Canada that you did. And so you should be proud of it. You should. And other people should take, like, respect it, you know? Like, they really need to. It's undeniable. You're so right. Congrats. I'm great. And I'll let you go. I, I will take that. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah, no. Uh, well, I will. I'm great. No way to respond. Yeah. It's like, just thanks. <laughs> thanks is fine. Thank you. Uh, but it's all Thank you. very true. Steve, uh, we'll talk again soon. See you, buddy. We... See you, bro. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. See you, uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's a large part of Mitch Marner that has regrets. And certainly the money makes up for a lot of it. But are you telling me that at least in this moment, there's not some level of, oh, man, I've produced during the regular season. I put up my points. This team has been a winning team. When I arrived, they were more abundant. At least they're making playoffs, and still I'm the face of its failure. And I live here, and I'm from here, and I never thought it would be this way. And people are having conversations like they're having around me. Like there's a modicum of that, at least. When we come back, um, more of Good Show. It is Good Show. Ben Ennis, J.D. Bunkus, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.